0: Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com.
1: This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
2: Good evening and welcome to Foment on It on heritageradionetwork.org.
3: I'm Mary Izette.
2: And I'm Chris Kuzmi.
3: And we're your co-hosts through this weekly journey of all things fermented.
2: Archived on Stitcher, iTunes, and right here on heritageradionetwork.org. Happy Thanksgiving week, Mary.
3: Happy Thanksgiving week. So we don't have many announcements this week, but we do want to remind you of a couple of tips for those that are preparing to cook their own thanksgiving dinner um a few weeks ago about a month ago i guess at this point we had talked we had jen from white mustache which makes handmade yogurt and whey and she they have a great recipe for a whey brined thanksgiving turkey on their website thewhitemustache.com
2: and if beer is more your flavor the, our friend Sean Paxson has a great website called The Homebrew Chef or homebrewchef.com. He's got amazing recipes and talks about all about brining turkeys with beer and other incredible dishes, uh, all utilizing beer as a key component to the, the flavor profiles of the dish. Awesome. And-
3: Yeah, and also the Brewers Association has a great website, too. Is that that true, That includes recipes. Yes, if you go to craftbeer.com, they also have a lot of great recipes that involve beer and other things. So that's another um, area. They also have some really good articles on beer and food pairing. So if you would like to pair your Thanksgiving dinner, um, whatever it may be, with a selection of beers, that's a really great place to start.
2: Absolutely. But what's today about?
3: Ooh, sourdough bread! <laughs> I'm so excited because we haven't done a full bread episode. We have not. We've kind of been waiting. Chris and I are huge sourdough bread fans. Um, after I finished the book earlier this year, I was I, I was a little burnt out on liquid, so I I had I went through a really nice sourdough bread baking um, phase. And our apartment is like 90 degrees in the summer, so we can't bake in we the summer. Off. So we
2: fell off baking. So
3: we just actually um, started talking about. You know, renewing our starter sure. and, and beginning baking again. So we're super excited to have Sarah Owens,
1: hi,
3: author hi Sarah Owens. of the new book Sourdough Recipes for Rustic Fermented Breads, Sweet Savories, and More. Yeah.
2: She's the horticulturist and sourdough bread baker, founder and owner of BK Seventeen Bakery. Yeah, yeah. For <laughs> Welcome me today. to the show. I'm really excited <laughs> to
3: be here. Yeah. And sh- tell us what you brought first of all. So you brought this gorgeous loaf of bread.
1: Yeah. So I baked this this morning. This is a beet bread. Um, it's made with a sourdough culture, so that's how it's leavened. Um, and I try to bake seasonally, so I work with whatever ingredients are are available to me, um, at the, at the moment or whatever is like, you know, I have too much of coming out of my garden, (laughs) um, which happens a lot. Um, so, I'll do like a beet bread or a, a squash bread or a sweet potato bread, zucchini, you know, whatever is in season. Um, and this one I love because it has this um, incredible moist crumb, really crunchy, thick crust, and a super earthy flavor from the beets. But it's not like it doesn't hit you over the head with the beet flavor. Um, so it goes really well with things like, um, blue cheese or, you know, really strong cheeses, but also I brought, a citrus, uh, chili butter. That's also mm. a recipe in the book that goes really well with just about anything, but definitely with a beet bread. <laughs> Can't wait
3: to taste it. We're going to taste <laughs> it over the break.
2: <laughs> How did we get here? Where, where did you start baking? And, uh, tell us a little about yourself and the history of the journey. Sure. Sure. My, my journey into
1: sourdough was really kind of unintentional, um, I work professionally as a horticulturist, so um, that's kind of my full time gig. Um, but I actually, you know, I started having some digestive distress uh, issues, which I won't go into the gory <laughs> details of, um, a number of years ago, and really started kind of evaluating my diet um, and my my sort of food philosophy um, at the time, and <clears throat> I sort of uh, wandered into. <laughs> I used bookstore one day and found this silly little book called Adventures in Sourdough that yeah. was written in the 70s uh, with a full chapter on how to take your starter camping. Um, <laughs> and I looked through it and I was like, oh, this is this is the book for me. So I took it home and started reading about it. But I wasn't actually aware of the the fact that sourdough is this sort of symbiotic relationship between bacteria and yeast, and that the lactic acid fermentation of um, the sourdough culture really helps alleviate a lot of symptoms of not just wheat intolerance, but a lot of other grains, um, nuts, and legumes as well. And so, you know, once I started kind of getting into the practice of baking with sourdough, which I love... Um, then I started sort of investigating this, you know, um, this added benefit of uh, helping to alleviate the digestive issues that I was having with a lot of grains.
3: Good. Cool. Yeah. And then, so you were playing, what, what did you do when you first started did you begin your own starter? Did you get a starter from mm. someone right. else? Yeah. yeah.
2: How do we cultivate this? Yeah, that's a, this right. is a, a hot topic. In,
3: you know, sourdough
1: hot topic. Bread, yeah. air, bread. You know, peoples. <laughs> Absolutely. So I um, had a hard time getting my starter going in the beginning, um, and I think it was mostly because I wasn't following directions, <laughs> and I also didn't have a scale at the time when I first started um, a, a measuring, a, like a weight scale. And so I think I was starving my culture. Um, I wasn't giving it enough um, flour and, and water in the beginning. Um, but I got a scale. You know, I threw down like 10 bucks on Amazon <laughs> yes. and got, mm-hmm. got a scale. You know, everyone's so, always like, oh, I have to get a scale. And I'm like, really, it's very easy. Um, and then I also tried this uh, alternative method um, that I'd read about in a European cookbook um, using raisins to first create a yeast water culture and then kind of use that to inoculate the sourdough starter. And I found that super easy. It was like fail-proof and very vigorous and um, really reactive to um, what I was, you know, trying to do with it. Um, And so that recipe I've actually included in my cookbook, Sourdough. And it's a, you know, it's a pretty, to me, it's a a fail-proof sort of (laughs) method, Um, And it's great because you can also use the leftover yeast water to, you know, uh, substitute out just water in any bread recipe. And it adds this really, like, fruity kind of sweetness, um, which can be, yeah, it can be really, really nice.
3: So basically when you're doing this, so I've actually used this technique as well uh, Mm -hmm. this winter when I was Mm -hmm. starting because we typically... use the pineapple juice method for sure, starting yeah. our mm-hmm. sourdough starter. And that's, I found that to be a no fail method. It's, it does require mm-hmm. an extra ingredient, but I had read about the raisin um, process, this raisin water method yeah. as well. And it worked beautifully. Um, did you, do you recommend organic raisins or a, mm-hmm. is there a specific sure. type of raisin that you found that works better?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, you absolutely want to make sure that when you're trying to nurture a starter that you want to leave out as many chemical additives as possible um and you know using filtered water is is really um important in Mm -hmm. the beginning as well um you know now i just sort of feed my starter from the tap (laughs) and it, it does just fine but um in the beginning you really want to be careful and i think more than anything as well it's the flour you know because you're culturing microbes that are All around us, you know, not just on the raisins, not just on our hands or in the air. You know, the flour also has its own sort of microbiome. And um, using really good quality flour that is, um, you know, grown, milled and stored properly is is super important as well. If you're using dead flour that's been industrially processed, then you're not going to have as much of um, a, a success rate.
3: And do you recommend um, a certain type of flour? Like, usually when we do, if we make a fresh starter, we'll use, like, a rye or a whole wheat mm-hmm. flour. Is that mm-hmm. what also what you recommend?
1: Um, you know, I think just using any kind of freshly milled stone ground flour, you're going to be um, way ahead of using any kind of store-bought, um, industrially Process to, like, roller milled pl- flour. Mm-hmm. Um, so regardless of whether it's wheat or rye, rye tends to be very um, active mm-hmm. and um, really responsive and and works well. The enzymes in, with rye work really well with a sourdough culture. Um, but, you know, you may not be able to get freshly milled rye.
3: Right, <laughs> right. And where do you... Re- I know that here in New York City, we're very mm-hmm. lucky that the green market, there are several local flower purveyors that come Absolutely. to our green markets mm-hmm. and i've been i know like at the sheep and wool festival in dutchess county new york i've also seen mm-hmm. um you know local flour being sold there yeah so we have more but for people maybe in other parts of the country that don't have i guess local would be the best place like your local health you know kind of health food mm-hmm. store yeah. um, farmers markets are there other places that you recommend people looking
1: Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I I feel like there's this incredible grain revolution happening right now. And so many, you know, home bakers that are supporting it, but also small, you know, small bakeries and small businesses that are really supporting this, like, local miller, you know, local farmer sort of movement, thankfully. And just about every state, I mean, I, I moved to Kentucky earlier this year and was told repeatedly that I would never find good flour and Kentucky can't grow flour um, you know that's that's suited for bread dough, and um, and I just refuse to accept that. <laughs> and um, Strangely enough, I, I I met this fellow who um, who now runs a, a business called Lua Mill. And he's working with local farmers that are growing, um, you know, heritage grains organically, and he's milling them with this beautiful, um, Oster roller mill. And, (laughs) um, you know, so now Kentucky has great flour and, you know, the, the thing that has to happen though, is we have to really work on supporting, um, these people who are really putting in the extra effort because it's definitely a labor of love and it's not always the most cost effective thing, um, either. And, um, so it's you know there's there's still some issues with even in New York of you know how do you get if you're a, a small producer how do you get bulk flour you know to the green market and then how do you get it to wherever you're doing your production you know um, and it's it's just something we have to con- continually work on but thankfully um, you know these millers are popping up everywhere you know South Carolina and North Carolina Arizona is growing amazing heritage um, varieties of, of grains, not just wheat, um, that are suited to, you know, really dry desert, con- you know, high desert conditions. Um, and some beautiful flowers are coming out of there. So we really, I don't think, have any excuses anymore not awesome. to buy a good flour.
3: <laughs> That's great to hear. That's really nice. We talked about this a little bit before the show, but we've had um, several craft maltsters on our mm, show. Yeah. Um, and there's really a nice parallel between growing grain for beer and growing Mm -hmm. grain for for Mm -hmm. bakers right um and you know have both both of those industries or you know areas really can Mm -hmm. push you know our american grain
1: oh absolutely industry
3: in a a new direction i think and they're doing it already
1: yeah and i think that you know it it's really just a matter of educating the consumer um, you know, living in Kentucky, everybody drinks bourbon and whiskey and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and everyone thinks about grain in that way. Um, so it's, it, you know, it's kind of hard to get them to sort of think about grain in, in you know, a bread baking sort of way. I have a, a beer brewing friend who says, oh, you're just, you're wasting the grain putting <laughs> it in a loaf of bread. You, know? you should be drinking it. Um, <laughs> but um you know it's it's really it is just sort of a matter of you know educating the consumer and i feel like with my business with bk17 um and also writing the book you know sourdough it's it's really been more um an effort to kind of uh reach out to people and sort of start spreading the word of you know not just sourdough as a fermentation culture but also you know how how do we how do we grow Buy and you know prepare grain. It's it's sort of a lost start, you know, in 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 terms of um, you know our relative re- relatively recent you know history, um, especially with you know the sort of industrialization of a lot of our um, staple foods. So it, you know it's it's been kind of cool writing this writing this book for that reason. Awesome. Yeah.
3: So before we continue with this gorgeous book Mm. um so you mentioned that you've recently moved from brooklyn to louisville so what prompted Mm -hmm. that and what what are you doing now let's talk about that
1: right so when i was when i was writing the book um it was a wonderful glorious experience but i was working (laughs) um you know i was working full-time uh as a gardener at the brooklyn botanic garden which is a, a beautiful job to have and um and then I was, you know, running this little bakery business on the side, so I was like getting up at three, four o'clock in the morning, you know, two, three days a week to, um, to make that happen and um, coming home directly from work and, you know, mixing the dough and doing all this crazy stuff, like putting hundreds of pounds of dough on the back mm. of my bicycle trailer <laughs> and biking it up to this wood-fired pizza restaurant, you know, up mm. the hill and um, just kind of crazy, crazy stuff. And then, you know, I was also, um, I work uh, as a landscape designer as well. And so, you know, I had all these clients that I was working with. And it was just, it was it was a lot. It was too much. Um, and I'm sort of one of those people that loves a really good challenge. And um, I like to stay busy. And I, I sort of, I need that creative stimulation um, constantly. And so... Uh, it's hard for me to kind of say no to opportunities, and um, but I got to a point where I was like, "This is a little too much," and the lifestyle um, was was just kind of it pushed me over the edge a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I, I knew I needed a change. I knew I needed a lifestyle change, but I wasn't quite sure what that looked like. And I, I actually I didn't really want to leave New York. I never wanted to leave Brooklyn, um, but an opportunity came up to uh, work on a grant funded project in Louisville, Kentucky, and. I had lived there um, previously for about eight years. I left about 12, 12 years ago. And so you know, I thought, well, that's, that would be a great way to just sort of transition out of the momentum that I <laughs> had sort of um, run away with here in, here in Brooklyn. Um, and so I kind of packed up all my belongings and <laughs> threw them into storage and took a little bit of a break and moved down there and started on, on this project. Um, and since I've been there, I've, you know, continued the, the baking business. Um, and mostly I run it as a subscription uh, baking business. So I um, sort of put a, you know, a bread on offer like the beet bread and, um, you know, send out the word and people subscribe or they pay for the loaf in advance, which is great because I have no waste. I know mm-hmm. exactly how much flour I need to order from my miller. Um, So it's, you know, it's as fresh as possible. And um, I also get to really sort of maintain this very intimate relationship with my customers, which I feel like is one of the most important things about the business, um, because it it keeps the conversation going about... The bread and how it's made and how they're gonna enjoy it. And you know, I get it's funny, I get texts and emails all the time of like people's, you know, breakfasts. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like photos of their breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> or like they'll take a loaf on a camping trip or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um and I, I get so much joy from that and I think that, you know, they do as well. Awesome. Nice.
2: What is BK seventeen?
1: It's, um, so BK Brooklyn, mm-hmm. uh, 17, because I used to live on 17th okay. street and yeah. that's really where I started baking with sourdough and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of one of those people that I, I, you know, I don't hold on to my starter for years and years. Um, you know, I, I sort of, uh, am I'm pretty good about letting go of, <laughs> of my starter when I need to, um. But I do feel like it was a very special place that I created that culture, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of literally and metaphorically, um, and so I really wanted to honor that in the name of the business.
2: Right on. We're going to take a really quick break. Thanks for listening to Men About It. <laughs>
0: Still paying attention? Are you there? Hello? 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 I'm talking to you. Hi. Hey, this is Jack Inslee. I'm the executive producer here at Heritage Radio Network. I've been here at the station since 2009, and I cannot believe just how much this network has grown over that time. We've been able to grow because of donations from people like you. So if you're enjoying this, if you laughed, if you learned something, contribute anything. A dollar, two dollars, ten dollars, a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, anything counts. And trust me, we'll appreciate seeing your name come through on the donations. So consider visiting heritageradionetwork.org, click on that little beating heart, the donate button, and show us you care. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy the rest of the show.
2: Welcome back to... <laughs> I have a mouthful of bread, and it's freaking delicious. We have Sarah Owens here in the studio, author of Sourdough, Hi. horticulturist, and owner of BK17,
0: mm-hmm.
2: a bread baking company. We're talking about starters and getting things from start to finish uh, in the beer world. So we, we have this starter that we started with raisins. Tell us more about... Where to go from there and the many different ways you can go with a single starter.
1: Sure. So I have this cookbook now of like um, maybe almost 100 different recipes and obviously a lot of different breads, um, very seasonal breads. Uh, I think the first recipe is a chestnut uh, loaf that's wonderfully nutty and and, mm, very crunchy. Um, but there's also a lot of other recipes. If you've ever kept a, a starter culture, you know you have to feed it. Um, you have to maintain it. Whether you're baking with it or not, you have to make sure it's healthy. And um, so occasionally, especially if you're not baking with your starter, you have to discard a little bit in order to make room in the jar to um, to
2: feed it. Let's stay here for just for a quick second. How do you know sure. if it's healthy and how— Mm. What if it over ferments or if Uh you didn't feed it or, you know, what are the, what are the don'ts of, of maintaining starter? The basic rules. The basic
1: rules. There really are no rules. (laughs) 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 I try, I try to tell people, you know, there, there's so many um, different ways to bake, but um, you know, to, to keep a a starter culture healthy, you want to at least feed it once a week and um, otherwise store it in the refrigerator. So you know, once a week, you would pull it out, discard some, um, you know, whatever's left.
2: And you said refrigerator, so you do your starter and you keep it in the refrigerator. I do. You like it? You like the cold, slower fermentation? I I do. Than, I, do. I like the point, flavor right? mm-hmm.
1: um, a little bit better. I also really like to. Um, I, I I'm not a fan of baking in warm weather because it really does alter the flavor of the of the. Of the bread, and I I like a complex um, flavor. I don't like that curdled sour one hit punch mm-hmm. to the mouth. You know, um, so I really do like this the slower fermentation. Um, and if I'm baking in warmer weather, which you know inevitably happens, then I'll adjust the amount of um, culture that I add to the to the bread day recipe. But there's so many other um, you know recipes in this book that use um, the discarded starter. And um, as more of like an ingredient rather than uh, a leavening agent. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, there's like pastries, there's cakes, there's (laughs) cookies, there's a little bit of everything. Um, And I tried to kind of work with other ingredients as well that would um, match the flavor profile of sourdough. I mean, like chocolate is, you know, it's a natural pairing to have that acidity um, present with the cocoa um but also you know other fruits and um things that you know i find really inspiring um like quince and um you know pears and things that really benefit from a little bit of uh, acidity
2: mm-hmm.
3: yeah this is a super exciting cookbook i'm like <laughs> planning how, yeah yeah i'm looking at the, i love it cuz so you have it split into seasons mm-hmm. um and then for every season you have it split up into breads savories and sweets so I'm looking at the autumn section, and these are just a couple that have caught my eye. Although mm-hmm. all of them sound good. You have a candied bacon cornbread. Hello.
1: Right.
0: I knew exactly. <laughs> yeah. Somebody,
3: so we just got married recently, and somebody gave us a bacon of the month subscription. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So I know. We picked the I'm,
2: wrong year to stop start dieting. <laughs>
3: so I know what I'm going to do with at least part of the next ba- bacon shipment. Um, uh-huh. And then you have like a chicken, purple potato, and olive empanada, which looks mm. amazing. And then baked carrot and pineapple donuts with tamarind icing. These are mm. only three. There's all also this, there are gorgeous photos in this book, which Thank always you. helps when you're yeah. baking something to have kind of...
1: A visual ma- reference. Yes.
3: And also kind of, it gives you a little more inspiration, you know, and sure. a little more, yeah. To, yeah. If it's, also, if it's, you know, maybe you're like, oh, I don't know, should I bake tonight? And then the photo just gives you that extra inspiration.
1: To yeah. Oh, that's to that's bake. nice to hear. My photographer, she's amazing and... Really, I sort of naively asked her to <laughs> to work on this book. I don't think I I honestly had uh, a clear uh, vision of how much work it would take. And we mostly styled the book ourselves, um, and neither one of us are food stylists. Um, so <laughs> you hopefully... You would know, never know
3: that, because it's gorgeous. <laughs>
1: but, I, you know, I also wanted it to be accessible to the yeah. home baker. You know, I didn't want it to be, like, tweezered and, and you know, really, like, Fufu and, right. and and look intimidating um, because these these are recipes that I'm hoping you know you will bake for yourself for your family for your friends you know and and be really proud of whatever comes out you know I, I do these elaborate scoring um, you know methods on my breads that ever everyone is always like oh how do you do that but olive bread is beautiful regardless <laughs> regardless mm-hmm. of, of how you um, how it looks when it comes out you know. It's all about the flavor, so... But I'm, I'm happy to hear you're inspired by the photographs. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> we took about seven months to shoot the book. We really wanted to shoot it um, to reflect the season. So, like, the beet bread, you know, I planted beets in the spring, um, and we waited until they were ready in the fall to, to, you know, cook them up and throw them in the bread dough and, and photograph it. So we really, like, you know, were very kind of, stubborn <laughs> mm-hmm. about the shooting schedule
2: the loaf that you have in front of us is is a beautiful shape it is scored awesome what do you need to to achieve that like what mm-hmm. uh in the oven what what are the basic you mm-hmm. know do you use a clo- what are called, cloche? what do they cloche. call Cloche.
1: i use a dutch oven mm-hmm. um this uh my, my favorite dutch oven is just a, a lodge like cast iron um if you have a um you know an enameled Dutch oven, that's fine as well. I, a clay baker, a cloche, you know that that will work. Basically, you know, you really want to make sure that your loaf is in a, a nice and steamy chamber, when, uh, steamy and hot mm-hmm. <laughs> chamber when it first goes into the oven, um, so that it can fully expand. It can really get that beautiful oven spring and fully expand before the crust sets. And so that's really why you want to encourage a steamy environment. And you can do that in several ways. I, I prefer when I'm at home using um, an enclosed, you know, Dutch oven. Um, but you can also use a baking stone and um, a roasting pan that you pour water into. Um, some people use, you know, wet towels that they put in the bottom of their oven. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different ways. But I, I just, I find the Dutch oven method really kind of like fail-proof.
3: Because it, on a professional level, a lot of the ovens are, that are meant to be break, they're mm-hmm. like steam injected, right? Mm-hmm. So they create that mm-hmm. environment in ways that we don't right. have as home, Correct. home cooks, home Correct. chefs. Yeah, yeah.
1: You can also, you know, a lot of people are using, um, you know, if they have the space, maybe not, maybe not here in New York, but, you know, they'll um, sort of build these small little wood-fired ovens in their backyards, and, you know, a lot of people are doing that now where they bake their pizza, and and then they throw in their um, loaf of bread, and... um, Which is awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I have
3: friends on Facebook that live, that are, you know, outside of New York Mm -hmm. City, and Several of them have actually built mm-hmm. their backyard ovens, and I'm so mm-hmm.
1: jealous. Yeah, living the dream. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then, as far as using starters as leavening agents, if 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 the starter goes too long or dies, then it's mm-hmm. not going to leaven at all, right? Or I've, I've had some failed bread attempts, and oh, I've okay. gotten some flat breads, right? Flat and, breads. And, and, yeah. I didn't want them to be flat. Mm-hmm. I wanted them big and fluffy, <laughs> and I, I'm not sure the source of it. But I sure. think it was maybe perhaps the starter, the starter, well, yeah. or, or our ratio.
0: I
3: or the, also, I feel like maybe it's the your because the amount that you let it ferment and what temperatures mm-hmm, that you fermented at mm-hmm. also have a big impact on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: on there's that. so many factors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's so many factors, and it's really it's part of the reason why I like to teach so much because you can actually you know get your hands on the dough with the person that has the question. But um, you know, there's the you know how healthy is your starter going into the dough um have you you know kept it well fed is it active is it bubbly is it visually um active it, does it smell good and ripe um you know I always tell people like in order to become a really good um bread baker you have to sort of like really um hone your intuitive skills and your sensual s- sort of skills <laughs> as well um so you know, does it smell good? Does it look active when it's going into the dough? And then, how warm is your kitchen? What's the humidity like on the day that you're baking? Um, you know, t- if it's really uh, humid and warm, you know, unseasonably, then automatically, you know, you either need to cut down on the amount of leaven going in, or you need to shorten your bulk fermentation time before you shape it and put it into the refrigerator likewise you know if your refrigerator's packed full of s- other stuff and maybe a little bit warmer than normal or you're opening the door a lot because you're you know maybe planning a dinner party or something and,
2: and like this week thanksgiving mm-hmm, exactly <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know then your then your dough is going to ferment faster you know so um those are all things that come with practice and time and um just sort of experience you know those are things that you don't typically read from a cookbook you have to kind of um get used to your own home kitchen environment Um, but they do come and i always tell people to keep a a notepad Mm -hmm. it sounds totally nerdy um but just you know throw one in a drawer and it's going to get crusty and and look terrible but it's so nice when you have um a successful loaf to be able to go back and say okay so i bulk you know fermented that for only three and a half hours and then I shaped it and then I left it on the counter for another hour oh hmm, that's what I did you know or wow this loaf sucked <laughs> 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 this one was a brick yeah. <laughs> what and did I, always, I do
3: Yeah, and I always feel like there's things you can do like you could make bread pudding out of it or oh, sure. bread, right. there's a lot of yeah. other yeah. things you could do if it's Scalier not an, an ideal loaf. right Pansanella
1: I yeah. ate a lot of it
3: yeah <laughs> Yeah. So I, th- I would, I'm interested to know when you moved to Brooklyn. So you had a loyal following in Brooklyn. You had mm-hmm. a subscri- you know, people that were absolutely manic about your bread. Little, little
1: cultish. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how was it
3: moving? How, how was it transition to Louisville? Like, uh-huh. do you have how have, did people receive you in Louisville? You're sure. cause you're also selling your breads there, mm-hmm. correct?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's a sort of a similar thing. I mean, Louisville really um, thinks of itself as a food town. And it is, you know, um, people love to eat and and drink a lot of
0: booze.
1: <laughs> um, so it has been really well received. Um, you know, the the grain consciousness isn't quite. Um, it hasn't quite caught up to a lot of other areas of the country where there there's more um avail, you know more of the freshly milled freshly grown uh, or you know organically grown um grains available but people are curious and they want to know um about where their food is coming from and how it's prepared um so in that way i have you know i have that on my side um but it's, you know, it's it's actually a little bit more difficult to find a good commercial space to, you know, a certified kitchen to work out of. Um, especially, you know, I'm not completely committed long term to being in Louisville, Kentucky, so I don't really want to sign a lease on a shared space. Um, you know, restaurants are um, usually open for lunch service, so it's kind of, it's difficult to get in there in the morning and, um, you know sourdough takes especially the way i I treat sourdough it takes uh, a long cold fermentation um to really improve the flavor and also the digestibility of the um dough so it you know that takes up a lot of space and a lot of times when i'm sharing um a kitchen you know with a with a restaurant or a commercial space it, it it's it's difficult um, so, so that's been um, kind of a challenge um, as well. But I've been um, sort of <laughs> illegally working out of my home kitchen. Um, Kentucky's cottage laws are really strict. They're some of the worst in the country. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so, but I think you know Louisville also has a you know. Probably bigger problems <laughs> to think about than um, this this like crazy girl who's baking sourdough out of Rome <laughs> but um, but yeah it's been fun and, and people are really excited about it um, sourdough ba- bagels have been my like latest obsession, and people love them um, you know so it's, it's it's been fun it's been it's been great
2: you talk about long and slow and colder fermentations for, for a basic bread recipe, Mm -hmm. um, not having a starter yet. How long, how soon, if I started today, how soon could I have a successful loaf? Do you think?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, it, it depends. These are variables. Yeah, It depends. Um, and right now it's a little bit colder, Mm -hmm. you know, so things tend to go a little bit slower. Um, but I'd say in a week and a half, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're starting from scratch, if you don't have a starter, um, and I always tell people, if you've never baked with sourdough, or if you really never baked um, bread in general, whether you, you're using commercial yeast or not, um, it is kind of nice to create your own starter. Just because you start get start to get into the rhythm of, you know, the maintenance and um, how the culture is reacting to everything you do to it, um, to the flour, to the water, to the temperature, and. Um, As opposed to, you know, somebody just giving you a jar of this, like, strange-looking, white, gooey stuff that you're like, oh, what's it doing? It's (laughs) bubbling. you know. So um, so it it takes about a week and a half. You really, you will know that your starter's ready when you drop a glob of it into um, a glass of water and it floats. Because then you know it's trapping enough gas that it can actually leaven your bread.
3: That is awesome. a good that's, trick. That's a great mm-hmm. tip. <laughs> also I have to I have to note cuz I think when everyone thinks about sourdough they think of more of the traditional like San Francisco style sourdough gr- that is that sure. very tart mm-hmm. sour right. dough bread and mm-hmm. and really you're not really talking about that you're just talking about using a, a naturally made starter mm-hmm. to to make a variety of breads as well as other pastries and Correct. Cupcakes and donuts and all kinds of stuff. Right. So I think that's one thing if you're listening and you're, you're thinking, oh, I would never do this because I don't like that sour bread. I want to make right. other things that, mm-hmm. you know, it is, you can make anything out of these starters.
1: You can, much. you can. And even with the bread, you know, you can really sort of, once you get used to using sourdough as a, uh, as a leavening agent, you can tweak the fermentation times. Um, you know, even <clears throat> there's some... Um, leavens that you build before you you, do, you mix the final dough and um, you know if they use less water if it's a stiffer leaven then often it will be a more sour flavor in the final um, bread so if you know that you like a sour bread, then you can kind of start to work with those um, techniques. And there's a little bit of um, baker's math in in this book, just enough to kind of give you that um, tool in your box to be able to kind of play a w- around. Um, it's a little more of an advanced, you know, technique. But um, you know, with the other recipes, like you know, the cakes and the um, pastries and whatnot, um, that's really you know, way more straightforward. And I always tell people, you know, if you're if you're kind of just starting out with this book and you're a little intimidated about the the bread, um, just you know, make a Dutch pancake um, because it's really it's just like starter, eggs, <laughs> yeah. just normal. butter, a little bit of honey, and some fruit, you yeah. know. Um, and it's really unless you burn it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's really hard to go wrong, you know. So there's a there's a wide variety of. of things that um you can try in this book and and have some success you know
3: awesome and i love it because so we come from a home brewing background chris is a pro mm-hmm. brewer now so i think it's cool because a lot of the things that we learn as beer brewers mm-hmm. really translate to making yep. you know to starting the sure. sourdough culture it also gives people that maybe make traditional beers mm-hmm. a way to do something with wild bacteria and yeast yeah that is you know, doesn't impact your beer, but we'll give you a chance to explore, you know, this whole world of wild bacteria and yeast. Mm-hmm. And then also, I, you know, I'm a huge math baking person. I have a science oh, background. Cool. <laughs> so, so you know, <laughs> nice. I always feel like baking math is kind of like using brewing software, you know, like yeah. calculating your, uh, the IBU of your finished beer. So mm-hmm. I, anyway, I think it's it's super cool. That's what we found with all these other fermentations is that coming from a brewing background, it's really, I don't know, it's easy to, it translates very well. And I feel uh-huh. like I'm very, you know, we're very equipped to to go on a sourdough journey.
2: I'm excited to. I'm excited (laughs) to take it to the next level. I want to make a beer. I want to use the spent grain and make a sourdough bread with it. Then I want to make a kvass out of that bread. And then I want to drink that. (laughs) That's that's,
3: (laughs) that's our fall journey. (laughs) All right. So thank you, Sarah, so much for being on the show. So if people want to find more information, your website is Uh bk17bakery.com. And then your book, Sourdough, is available at various booksellers as well Where's as the online. Best place to get
1: it? Ask your indie bookseller. Yeah. 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 Of course you can always order it, you know, from the, the big the big boys. Right. Um but my publisher also sells it um roost books uh, and they'll ship worldwide. Awesome. Yeah.
2: That's cool. good. Ask your indie bookseller.
1: Yeah. 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 Well yeah. thank you it so it much. Thank
2: you. Sarah, thank Happy you so Thanksgiving. for having me. Thanks for making thank life you. delicious. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> Happy holidays.
2: Cheers. Foment about
0: it. yourself.